So you've probably gathered already that uh, here at Jubilee we like to celebrate, we like to make some noise. Uh, Jubilee actually means party. You know, you get the, the golden Jubilee, the silver Jubilee, well we've got the resurrection Jubilee. Uh, it means party and we've got plenty to celebrate because Jesus is alive. I said, you know, you may have missed that. I said, we've got plenty to celebrate because Jesus is alive. Yeah, so that's, that's better. That's good practicing there. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna speak to you today. Is that alright? Well, I just wondered, you know, with the invitation that I got earlier to the kids, whether you can go out to the groups or stay in and listen to me, I was just a little bit unsure about whether the adults were wanting to stay in today. Okay, well, here we go then. He's not here. He's risen. That's what I want to talk about. I got in a bit of trouble uh, a while ago, a little bit of trouble. Uh, Alison went to work on the Monday and left me with a, a job to do. Uh, while she was out, she was expecting me to do this job, but I, I didn't quite understand this. And so when she came home later, uh, the job hadn't been done. So she said to me, didn't you see what I left out for you? She was exasperated, pointing to a large pile of clothes left conspicuously in the middle of the table in the center of the room. Now, of course, I'd seen the clothes, that they were there, uh, and I know, but how was I meant to know as to do anything with them? I, I mean, I just thought they were left out for some reason. That eluded me. But I could now see, with Alison's help, as I, I looked at this pile of what were, in fact, wet clothes with the peg bag neatly placed on the top of the pile, which meant, of course, in lady language, please will you hang them out to me, for me, on the line. And so I had committed the heinous man's sin of looking but not seeing. So she said to me, Oh, you did one of your man looks, did you? She, she was very gracious with me, allowing me that. It's something that I seem to be rather prone to, as does my son Sam. Which may be the reason why God is, in his infinite wisdom and grace, felt it best to reveal the empty tomb, first of all, to a group of women... <laughs> Because if it had been the men, then presumably we could have simply overlooked the body of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. (laughs) I love this story. I love the fact that the women get to see the empty tomb first. And I want to talk to you from Luke chapter 24. We've had the reading a bit earlier, but Luke 24 verses 5 to 6 go like this. Why do you ladies, this is to the ladies, the angel says, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. And it's a question to make you think, why do you look for the living among the dead? And then there are two very important statements that the angel makes that I want us to look at today. And this is such an important question about whether Jesus, in fact, raised from the dead that 
it forms the cornerstone of the Christian faith. So Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 that without the resurrection, our faith is futile and useless. <laughs> and we are to be pitied more than all men, which are some pretty strong words from Paul. So these are pretty important things that we're talking about. So let's look at this this wonderful phrase, why do you look for the living amongst the dead? That's a strange question, isn't it, in the circumstances? But it was a question designed to make the women stop and think. I mean, they were at the entrance of a tomb. That's the place where you bury the dead, and they had seen him die. They'd seen the one that they loved tortured, and they felt every crack of the whip as it scourged him. They'd felt every thump of the beatings which rained down on him, and they had witnessed the cruelest form of execution designed by man in a Roman crucifixion. And these men, you know, they knew what they were doing. I mean, if you didn't die from the beatings, you suffocated on the cross, drowning in your own fluids eventually. And if you didn't die quickly enough, or perhaps it was a mercy, I don't know, that they would break your legs to make sure that it would be over quickly. These guys knew what they were doing. You don't survive that. You don't survive a Roman execution. You don't live through that. Jesus was dead. Jesus was fully dead. And so he was buried because, well, you don't put live people in tombs. You only put dead people in tombs. So they weren't looking for the living among the dead. These poor women were looking for the dead man they loved so much, whom they'd seen, whom they'd seen, whom they'd—that's hard to say—whom they, who, whom they had seen <laughs> crucified before their very eyes, and they thought it was all over. They thought all was lost. The death of Jesus meant the death of all of their hopes and their dreams. All the promises of the Messiah were buried in that dreadful tomb. It wasn't just the women that thought this. All the disciples had given up too. They were defeated. They felt hopeless. I mean, defeat tends to do that, doesn't it? But then it can change in an instant at the same time. I heard of this story of a signaler during the Battle of Waterloo. And he was waiting at his post in Winchester Cathedral for a really important message And that message would be whether or not England had won the war. And so there in the distance, he he finally saw the lighted signal, the beacon, coming through. But at the same time as the beacon lit up, the fog started to come in. And it obscured the message slightly. And so the watchman, he strained to interpret the signal. And he read this signal as England defeated. And he signaled this tragic news to the the waiting watchman around the country. And so this message spread throughout the country that England was in fact defeated. And they were all devastated by this tragedy. But then a bit later on, the fog lifted and the watchman discovered he'd only seen part of the signal. In fact, what the signal had read is England defeated the enemy. (laughs) England defeated the enemy. And to the women and to the rest of the disciples, it seemed like the message of the death of Jesus was Christ 
defeated. But now, three days later, they begin to discover that the message had not been received in full and should have read, Christ defeated the enemy. Why do you look for the living among the dead. I reckon the angel said that with a twinkle in his eye. He goes on to say, don't you remember how he told you while he was still here in Galilee, the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful man, be crucified and on the third day be raised again. And it goes on to say, then they remembered his words. Could it be? Could it be? Might it be possible? Is there still yet hope, a dawning realization that in the trauma of what they'd witnessed that week, in their grief, the rest of Jesus' message had been lost in communication? And how often does this happen, you know, in times of difficulty, in times of stress and disappointment, how the message of hope gets obscured in our own lives? And the fog drifts in and we think all is lost. And I just want to take a moment to remind you that the promises of God are faithful. That he is faithful. And the things that he's promised you, even prophecies of old that have been spoken over you, he will be faithful. He will be faithful. Then it says they remembered his words. Because the death of Jesus was not the end. It was only the beginning. And as the women were directed to see, the stone had been rolled away and they could see for themselves the empty tomb. He is not here. He's not here. (laughs) So where is he? (laughs) Where has he gone? And now people have struggled with this question ever since it happened. They've struggled with it. And so all these different theories have been put forward to explain where he was because surely he can't be risen. That's impossible. So all these other theories have come out where he was. None of them, I I don't think, are very convincing. But I'll just run you through a few. The first one is Jesus didn't die. He actually didn't die on the cross. So actually, as they put him in the tomb, in the cool of the tomb, he survived. He revived somehow in the coolness of the tomb. No, nobody survives a Roman flogging and crucifixion, especially with the commitment that the soldiers put into making sure that he was actually dead. And in any event, there is blood and serum that pours out when the soldier puts his sword into Jesus' side, which medically proves that he was dead. So that one can be dismissed. Jesus definitely died. And then there is the small matter of the stone blocking the tomb. Who moved it? Who moved the stone? It weighed around one and a half tons. It was sealed from the outside with armed guards keeping watch. A few problems here about how Jesus could have got out of there or how anybody could have got him out of there, despite the fact that it's unlikely he survived the crucifixion. Well, then, maybe the disciples stole the body and then began a rumor that Jesus had been resurrected. Uh, But leaving aside the fact that the tomb was guarded, the heavy stone and so on, it's psychologically improbable that such a depressed, disparate and disillusioned group of people could have carried out such, such a plan. Well, maybe the authorities then took the body. Well, that's the least probable of all, because if they had the body, all they had to do when the people were saying, Jesus is risen from the dead, is say, no, he's not. Here he is. We've got the body to prove it. So the fact remains, 
Oh, oh yes, and the other one is, well, maybe some robbers stole the body, which kind of slightly boggles the mind. Why would you steal a body and leave behind some valuable grave clothes, which were folded up? Did you notice that, ladies? Jesus made his bed. <laughs> they were folded neatly at the top and at the bottom. I love that. Jesus is such an example to us men. Make your bed when you rise from the dead. So the fact remains that Jesus wasn't here. He wasn't there. His body was gone. And so there is now no tomb for Jesus to visit. There's no tomb, a grave that we can visit and lay flowers. There's no memorial. There's no statue. His body wasn't there, which is truly incredible. And it is uniquely distinctive. No other religion makes such a claim. Their founders' graves are freely available for all to see if you'd like to. Would you like to see some of the other founders of world religions' graves? Let me show you some pictures. Here you go. This is the Buddha's. This is the Buddha's tooth. That's because they cremated him when he died. Uh, but they placed certain relics in monuments or stupas, some of which are believed to have survived until present. So this is the Temple of the Tooth. And it's in Sri Lanka, which apparently where a portion of Buddha's tooth is kept. Oh, what about the grave of Confucius? Here you go. There's Confucius, the founder of Confucianism. It's in his hometown in the Shandong province of China. And the grave of Confucius is located in a large cemetery where more than a 100,000 of his descendants are also buried. Or oh, there, there, there's the grave of Mohammed. Maybe we should look at Muhammad's grave. This is Muhammad's grave. The founder of Islam is buried in the mosque of the prophet in the city of Medina in Saudi Arabia. And a more modern one is Joseph Smith. He founded the Mormons and he's buried at the Smith Family Cemetery in Illinois in the United States. And then there's Guru Nanak. So there's his grave. The founder of Sikhism is in a small gurdwara in a village named Kartapur on the west bank of the Ravi River in the Punjab, Pakistan. And would you like to see Jesus' grave? There it is. That's Jesus' grave. Well, it's actually not his real grave because we don't know what his real grave looks like. That's what they imagine it looked like. But look, it's empty. There's nobody there. There's no memorial. The body of Jesus isn't there. It's an empty tomb. It's distinctive. So Jesus, Jesus says, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Because the tomb of Jesus is empty. It's not there. He's not there anymore. Because as the angel said Jesus wasn't there he didn't need a tomb anymore because he was no longer dead but he was risen he was risen he has risen nobody believed the women when they told people about it not even the disciples who thought at the time that their words seemed to them like nonsense it's offensive isn't it come telling this great news and it seemed to them like nonsense. Well, women didn't have sufficient status in their society to believe, be believed anyway, which is really cool that God chose to show them first. That's one for the ladies, I think. That is so exciting. But then everybody gets to meet the resurrected Jesus. 
Over the next few months, there are many other eyewitnesses to the bodily resurrection of Jesus, including, first of all, the terrified soldiers at the mouth of the tomb. I love that. I love that. It doesn't get talked about enough, I don't think. The first people to see the resurrected Jesus were actually the soldiers that were guarding the tomb to stop him from coming out. They were absolutely terrified. I mean, what must it have been like to have witnessed the resurrection of Jesus? Isn't that a shame they didn't write it down and tell us? But they were bribed by the authorities not to say anything about it, but rather to spread the rumor that the disciples had stolen the body. You can read that at the end of Matthew. And over the next few weeks, 40 days in fact, Jesus appeared on 11 separate occasions in his resurrected state. And on one occasion, he appeared to more than 500 people at the same time. And then last of all, he appeared to Paul. And then this went on until his ascension to the right hand of God, which is in Acts chapter 1, which you can read about. And what is clear from the accounts of these appearances was that Jesus appeared in flesh. So it was a bodily resurrection. He wasn't a spirit. It wasn't a vision that they all had. All 500 people had the same vision at the same time. It wasn't anything like that. Although he did seem to be able to do some pretty cool things with his body that we can't do yet. So it seemed like he could appear at will in different places. He could obscure his identity. He could even walk through walls into a locked room. That's really cool. I'm looking forward to doing that one day. I think that would be great. But it still was very much a physical body. He ate with them. He drank with them. He was touched by them. But it was a different kind of body to what we have now. And actually gives us hope for the future of a resurrected body. So what Jesus had was a resurrected physical body, which Paul says we're all going to get one day if we're believers. But the resurrection is not the only thing that sets Jesus apart. He wasn't even, I don't know if you realize this, but he wasn't even the only person that rose from the dead on that glorious day. He wasn't the only person who says in Matthew 27 that the tombs around the grave of Jesus broke open and the bodies of many holy people who died were raised to life. I mean, such was the phenomenal power of the resurrection of Jesus. It caused other dead people to come to life as well. That's how much power was released at the resurrection. How amazing is that? And how creepy is it? All these <laughs> graves opening up and all these people, oh, I haven't seen you for years. I thought you were dead well I was but this thing happened how amazing is that the power of Jesus the power of the resurrection and neither was Jesus the first person to be raised from the dead so Elijah and Elisha saw people raised from the dead and that was in the old testament and Jesus raised other people from the dead himself there was Jairus's daughter the widow's son of Nain and Lazarus at Bethany And later, Paul raised Eutychus from the dead when he fell out of a window whilst Paul was preaching. I love that. It says that he was droning on and on. (laughs) And Eutychus fell asleep and fell out of the, out of the, out of the room. It's a wonder Paul didn't say, well, it serves you right. You should have been listening, you know, but he didn't. He just raised him from the dead. Now, what separates Jesus' resurrection from all the rest? 
what makes him incredibly distinctive and what gives us hope for today and even into eternity is that Jesus never died again. Jesus rose from the dead and he never died again. Jesus is still alive today. He wasn't only alive 2,000 years ago when he rose from the dead, he's still alive today. All of these other people that were raised at the same time, eventually they died. Lazarus, he died eventually. Eutychus, he died eventually. But Jesus will never die. He ever lives and will never change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's never going to go out of fashion. (laughs) Jesus never stops working. He never stops performing miracles. He never leaves us. That's what he says. I'm never going to leave you. Even through death, Jesus never leaves you. When I was a young teenager, I had a near-death experience. And in that moment, as the car was turning over, I was in an accident. As the car was turning over, I have never experienced the presence of God like it or since. His presence was so close. He says, I will never leave you even when you die. Jesus is still alive. And because of this, we can still meet him and know him. We can still experience him and his love for us because Jesus is still alive. And the other great thing is that the resurrection power that raised up Jesus from the dead now lives in us. That same resurrection power that raised all those people around the grave of Jesus to come to life now lives in us. That's why we can see miracles. That's why we can believe God for incredible healings. He's very much alive. Did you know this? I mean, perhaps you thought that Easter Sunday was a memorial service for somebody who died 2,000 years ago. Kind of quaint, you know, it's kind of nice that people remember this great man, Jesus, who died 2,000 years ago. It's not. Jesus is still alive and he's powerful and wonderful and you can still meet him today. You can still meet him today. Why look for the living amongst the dead? Because he's alive. Because he is alive. And that's where hope is, that Jesus is alive today. And he is here today. Amen.